credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, what's good? But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, fresh off of the Stuff You Should Know Facebook page, where we've been discussing all manner of interesting stuff, like Bob Ross has come up. Have you been posting Bob Ross videos? I did. He's the best. He is. I posted, Was the best. I posted the Peanuts Christmas Time is Here little segment. Uh-huh. Uh, you've been posting some pretty good stuff, too, bud. Like, Thank you. What, what's, some, what's one of your favorite things that have gotten people buzzing lately? Did I post about Bonnie Prince Billy, or was that on my own Facebook page? I don't know. Yeah. Did you? No, because you would have taken it down. <laughs> I would not have. I would respect your post. I'm sleepy today because of Bonnie Prince Billy yeah. last night. I would scoff at it, but I wouldn't take it down. I love that that's become a running gag, is me loving him and you making fun of him. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. You ready? Yeah. For me to make fun of him? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> He seems like a nice guy. Okay. <laughs> so, Chuck. Yes, Josh. Chuckers, um, I wrote a blog post actually recently on uh, homelessness. I read it. Did you read mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Really? I read your stuff, man. Are you kidding? I'm a fan. Really? <laughs> yes, really. So, uh, the whole thing then, you know this already, was centered around, well, it started around this, um, this, news that came out in July that the homeless the population of homeless school children yeah had risen dramatically to about 1 million kids yeah. unbelievable in US schools mm-hmm. public schools i would imagine yeah who are homeless yeah right and uh in one particular uh area i think by the numbers statistically speaking in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yeah. That's a homeless kid per classroom. Yeah, they had a, a huge increase, didn't they, there? Oh, yeah. Something like well, and that's well, in that state, period. Yeah, in uh, in Sioux Falls School District, uh, it's jumped 44% over the last five years. And wasn't Texas like 100-plus percent? Yeah, so uh, across, the, across the U.S., there's been... Um, an increase of 41% nationwide, right? Of school children. Yes, of homeless, homeless school, school children. And um, the, so Texas has seen an increase of 139%. Um, Iowa, 136%. Uh, the lowest of the the highest five is New Jersey with an 84% increase. And this is, of course, all due to the um, 
Great Recession. Sure. That's going on right now, right? Yeah, of course. And somebody actually posted, uh, I haven't read the links, but somebody actually posted a comment on the blog that said, um, you know, it's bad enough. You know, homeless school ch- children are depressing enough. Yeah. But, you know, there's plenty of homeless kids out there who aren't in school. Well, yeah, sure. I didn't yeah. think about that. So with the economic recession is clearly to blame for this 41% increase in, yeah. in homeless school children. Um, and there's a lot of other factors that over the years have contributed to homelessness, which we'll talk about. But, Chuck, let's talk about homelessness in the United States, shall we? And we should say we're just going to concentrate on the United States. Actually, I've got a few stats. Do you have? Well, just some stats. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about those <laughs> and get the around the world out of the way. Uh, worldwide, they they approximate, and we should go ahead and say that counting homeless people is, is a tough bag. Because oh, yeah. they, it changes drastically week to week sometimes. Well, we should say that there's two ways of doing it. One yeah. is it's called a point in time count. Yeah. Where it's basically like, all right, everybody go count the homeless people in your area. Today. Right, for, on this one particular yeah. night. Yeah. And then um, report it in and then we'll tally the numbers. Yeah. And then the other way to do it is um, basically over a year. Yeah. And that's like a, a huge undertaking. Um usually done by the Census Bureau, mm-hmm. um, that identifies, you know, how many people have used homeless shelters, how many of them have been different, and it right. comes up with a pretty rough number. Well, yeah, but one of the reasons it's it's difficult is because uh, fortunes change rapidly in this crazy, fast-moving world. Right. And homeless people sometimes are in cars and campgrounds and places where you can't find them. So it's tough to get the, the dead, accurate numbers. But having said all that, my friend, mm-hmm. I do have some stats worldwide. Uh, approximately 100 people around the world are homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UN... Wait, what did you say? 100 million oh. people in the world. It sounded like you just said 100. Not 100 million. Okay. Uh, the UN says there's about 30 million displaced indigenous people. I don't know if they count that as homeless, necessarily. I would imagine. So that might be a part of that larger number. Um, and then I started thinking about... Like, are there homeless everywhere? And of course there are. But I said, what about places like Sweden and Norway, like where you would not expect homeless people? Mm. They have them there. But Sweden only has about 17,000 homeless out of 9.3 million people. So it's a pretty small percentage. Yeah. Uh, Norway, though, has 1.4 homeless people per every 1,000 people, well, which is wait, it's not too far off America's percentage. Really? Because we have about 1%, right? To about three to three point five million people is the latest number I saw. The latest the number States. I saw is actually less than that. Oh, uh, what was it? it? And this this doesn't make sense because it's it's two thousand the the homelessness population has increased. Right. Right in the U.S. since the recession. Yes. So the the two thousand five number I think was two point three and three point five million between okay. those two. Right? right. Like like you just said, but then there's another one from two thousand nine. It's uh, 1.56. No, so the numbers are all right. over the place. I bet that's not right. Yeah. So uh, that's a little bit from around the world. Russia, China, Africa, Canada. It happens everywhere. It but does. most of this is U.S.-based because that's where we are. Uh, what we can say, though, is that uh, percentage-wise, there's a disproportionate number of uh, minorities that are homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, minorities in this country make up about 12% of the population, and African-Americans make up about 50%, and another 13% are uh, Hispanic, Right, homeless in the United States. Right. African-Americans are 
they account for between 38 and 50% of the homeless population, right? But they only make up about 12% of the U.S. population? Yeah. Right. And uh, this is, you know, obviously you'll see most of this in big cities, but it's a problem in rural areas as well. As well. As well. As well. Yeah. And uh, typically homeless families make up a greater proportion of the homeless in yeah. rural areas. Which is, that's, any kind of homelessness is sad, but an entire family being homeless, is that's really tough. Chuck, we, we talked about what was driving homelessness right now. Driving the increase is the, right. the recession. Mm-hmm. But um, in the late 20th and this century as well, right. 21st, <laughs> yeah. right, um, the, there's been a combination of factors. And the two biggest drivers are poverty, an increase in poverty, and um, a decrease in the availability of affordable housing. Yeah. Two huge factors, in addition to others that we'll talk about later, right? Um, that have contributed to people not having a home. That's which, the saddest stat. What, what is? Well, because we'll talk about all the other factors like drugs and alcohol and mental uh, health and stuff like that. But it's sad that the reason why people don't have homes is because they can't afford housing. Right. And here's, here's something. I, I just want to put this out there now. I was reading a history of homelessness in the U.S., uh-huh. um, and the the author was basically saying homelessness has been around forever. Yeah. Like, apparently, um, 14th century England had vagrancy laws, right? I'm sure, yeah. So people have been homeless, have been um, not necessarily living on the streets, but don't have a permanent residence. Mm-hmm. And that's an important point, too. When we talk about homelessness, we're not just talking about people sleeping on the streets, we're not just talking about people sleeping in emergency shelters or even in their cars. The true, genuine definition of homelessness mm-hmm. is you don't have a home. Right. You don't have a place that's your own. You're staying with family. You live in a weekly motel. Right. That, that's homeless as well. Yeah, true. Right? Um, the, the, but back to the, uh, the history of homelessness, the author was saying, you know, we've had homeless in the U.S. since we've been here. Yeah. Um, the difference is... We used to have homeless because we couldn't afford to give them work. Right, We right. couldn't afford to take care of them. Right. Now, we can afford to take care of them. We just don't. Right. You know? Well, yeah, that's interesting you brought that up because I was reading about other countries, and America seems to be unique in uh, a very bad way in that a lot of Americans feel like it's deserved. And because you messed up uh, by doing something really bad or you're on yeah. alcohol or drugs. Yeah. And a lot of Americans take that attitude that homeless people deserve to be homeless. And then most of the rest of Americans just don't think about it at all. And exactly. it's a very invisible problem. Right. Or there are, you know, people that do care and don't think they deserve it. Right. And they're what we call good people. <laughs> <laughs> or advocates. Yeah, advocates. Yeah. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and last star on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Oh. Jean, run! 
So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, how do people get homeless, Josh? Well, Chuck, let's talk about it. We, we said that uh, poverty and um, lack of affordable housing are two of the biggest drivers. Um, with, with poverty... Okay. Yeah. Right now, when you when you quantify poverty uh-huh. and the poverty line, you you basically figure out how much the average person pays in a state or in a nation or something right. like that for housing, utilities, food, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then you set a line and say anything below this is you're eligible for government assistance, right? Right. right. You're you're poverty stricken. Mm-hmm. Um. In the U.S., the poverty line is somewhere around seventeen grand a year for a family of three, right? Wow. The problem is there's a big disparity between the poverty line and the minimum wage. Yeah. So the federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour, right? Yep. For a person to work 40 hours a week, that's a normal work week. Yeah. Um, 52 weeks a year. Yeah, no vacation. None. Like they work five days a week yeah. every week, uh, they would gross fifteen thousand eighty dollars. <laughs> That's not very much money, right? So you're actually falling below the poverty line, making the the federal minimum wage, right? Yeah. And then consider that actually to afford a two bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. It, it, this is the median for across the states. Uh, to afford a two-bedroom apartment at 30% of your income, mm-hmm. which is the definition of affordable housing. Yeah, 30%. Um, at seven, making seven twenty-five an hour, you'd have to work 87 hours a week. Ridiculous. So there's a big part of the problem right there. Well, yeah, it said one of the stats in here that was shocking was about 15% of homeless people actually have jobs. So um, I saw 44% actually. Oh, really? I, uh, not in this article, but in, in I, just across the internet. Interesting. Yeah, 44. Well, what, what is clear is that a lot of people end up homeless that don't think they would ever end up homeless. They live paycheck to paycheck. They have a job and they're getting by. Right. But then something happens. Yeah. They either lose a job or they have some outrageous medical bills or some catastrophe happens. And then your average Joe or Jane with a job can find themselves homeless like pretty easily sometimes yeah it's not always just some schizophrenic who has a heroin problem you know right in fact most of the time i would say it's not um we also talked about uh, a lack of affordable housing right we said the definition of affordable housing is 30 percent of your income right 
Um, apparently, there are... Five million? Is that what you're shooting for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, five million U.S. households pay more than half of their income in rent. Right. That is unbelievable. That's called worst case scenario. Yeah. And the rule of thumb is if you pay a quarter, you're doing good. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, half of your income in rent, you're in a bad bad way. Um, yeah, that also shouldn't be living in whatever big city you're living in. Well, that also encompasses that worst case scenario, also encompasses people who live in substandard housing as well. Oh, yeah, true. So um, it's not just how much you're paying out, it's what you're paying for. Right, right. Uh, or a combination of the two, right? Um, part of the problem, Chuck, do you remember Techwood? Yeah, Techwood Housing? Techwood Housing. Uh, right across anymore, the street. It? No, it's not. Uh-huh. It, the, and that, um, the demolish, remember they demolished Techwood, which yeah. is like the projects in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right before the Olympics. They were just gone. That's right. And it was like, okay, all you poor people, you don't have to go home because you don't have one anymore, but you can stay here. Right. And that was that. And apparently there's a, there, there, that was a nationwide trend since the 80s. Yes, uh, between 80 and 2003, more than 2 million low-rent housing units were basically either demolished or turned into, you know, high-rise, expensive high-rises. Right, and during that same period from 80 to 2003, uh, government assistance for housing um, fell by half. Yeah. Decreased by half. So that's going to equal a lot of homeless. So it's not, and not only are we not helping the homeless, we're actually creating homeless. Right. Wow. So... Uh, we talked about obviously pay and being down on your luck temporarily, living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Why else would you become homeless? Well, you you kind of uh, hit the the nail on the head a little bit when you talked about um, heroin addicted schizophrenics. Yeah. J- those those can be a combination of those two, or separately, mental illness and addiction are two big sure. factors in homelessness as well. Uh, with the mentally ill. Um, apparently about 20 to 25% of all homeless people have some type of mental illness. Right. That brings up a really interesting point. Have you ever heard the urban legend that Ronald Reagan is responsible for the increase in homelessness because he closed down all of the mental institutions? Yes, I have heard that. That's actually not too far off the mark. When he was governor of California from like 67 to 74, he shut down a lot of these state-run psychiatric hospitals. Oh, really? When he became president, one of the major things he cut funding to was the treatment of mental illness. And because of this cut in funding, a lot of mental hospitals shut down and a lot of mentally ill people found themselves homeless. So kind of indirectly, in that sense, he he definitely contributed to an increase in homelessness. Well, should we go ahead and talk about the uh, McKinley-Vento Act then? Since we're talking Reagan? Well, yeah. Not that it – here we go. Uh, he also signed the first, uh, and it says only significant homeless right. act of Congress. Right. Which 1987. Is, right. Yeah, the McKinley, uh, McKinney-Vento Act that was uh, had a different name, but then they named it after Stuart McKinney and Bruce Vento, who were two of the biggest champions. Right. And it had all sorts of cool programs in it, right? Yeah, emergency shelter, transitional housing, uh, health care, food, uh, job training, substance abuse services, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, and it's really ironic that he he was the president that signed that into law because he is also widely credited, and this is going to tick off so many Republican listeners, Yeah, he is widely credited as creating 
the homeless problem in the U.S. Really? Not just through deinstitutionalization, but through the creation of the wealth gap that right. we've seen between 1980 and now. Uh, you talked about substance abuse, and about two-thirds of homeless people struggle with some kind of alcohol or drug problem. Right. Not, not surprisingly. And then, uh, sadly, domestic violence has a big part to do with it, especially with women. Mm-hmm. About half the women are battered women, and they uh, oftentimes don't have anywhere to go. They'll right. flee their if, – if they're brave enough to actually flee their jerk husband, abusive husband, then they have nowhere to be because their husband might be the sole breadwinner Sure. In, in that kind of circumstance. So they have battered women shelters, thank God. Yeah. For just for women yeah. that are, that suffer from abuse. And Chuck, kids too. Um yeah. I think half of uh runaway homeless runaways um were fleeing domestic abuse. Yeah. Or homeless kids on their own, I guess, were fleeing domestic abuse and about twenty percent uh were fleeing sexual abuse. Yeah. Right? But it doesn't stop there, unfortunately, when you are homeless on the street, you encounter even more abuse. Many times you leave home, uh-huh. you leave an abusive situation at home, you go live on the street, then you get attacked on the street for being homeless, or you are forced into doing really bad things for food and shelter and stuff like that, untoward things. At the bus station. At the bus station. And uh, veterans, Josh, are a big part of our homeless problem in that. Mm-hmm. I can't say saddest of all, because it's all really sad. Yeah. But when you're veterans, when you go to fight for this country, and you end up one of the 200,000 homeless single men usually with mental illness, substance abuse problems because of maybe post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and uh, again, you just keep hitting that nail right on the head, man. There's a lot of overlap in problems or factors of in homelessness. Like, you know, veterans may be, homeless veterans may be more prone to having a substance abuse problem right. or suffering from a mental illness like PTSD or substance abuse and mental illness overlap in other people as well. Yeah. Uh, and part of the problem is you get to get into a vicious cycle. There are far few services, far fewer services available, easily accessible yeah. on the street um, than there are if you have a house and an income and an address and a phone right. number and all the normal stuff that, that you just kind of need to be able to get by in the U.S. these days. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look at something like uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs, which does as good a job as they can, mm-hmm. as far as I know. But they can only accommodate about 25% of homeless veterans. But what's so frustrating is that they could accommodate all of them. They I could. If they wanted, if they, if not if they wanted to, if they had the funding. Right. So you see these right. record bonuses for CEOs yes. on one hand, and then you hear about homeless veterans. The money's out there. Yes. And I'm glad it was veterans that got you. I hope it's homeless school children that get somebody else. Yeah. I hope somebody hears this and, and realizes that we have all the money we need to yeah, take the care resources. of everybody. Sure. It's just some of the wealthiest are going to have to give up a little bit of it yeah. so that some of the poorest have a house. Right. It's as simple as that. We have the means, just yeah. not the will. Yeah, and we're not talking about uh, just some social program with these alcoholics living off my dime. We're talking about homeless veterans and children and, and even, abused women. Right, and even if it is alcoholic veterans, we've already learned, have we not learned already, that alcoholism and all addiction is a brain disease that follows the brain disease model these days. Yeah. You need treatment. Well, that's that whole stupid American idea that I talked about was that some people feel like they deserve to be homeless. They see him on the street and they mm-hmm. think, what did you do to get here? 
Yeah. Instead of, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Well, this has touched a nerve today. It's homelessness. <laughs> it, well, it really I'm, should. I'm you not know? shocked, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm angry. That's what I'm saying. Okay, good. I'm glad you're angry too, Chuck. So, Joshers, uh, let's talk about some of the effects. Uh, and right. a lot of these you can file under, duh, but it bears saying. Well, you were talking about women's shelters. Yeah. Well, women's shelters only let in women. And yeah. if you have a teenage son, you can kiss him goodbye. Yeah. It's a bye-bye family unit. Yeah. Uh, physical attacks. Homeless people are attacked, beaten, kicked, yeah. chained, the, peed on, the numbers sp- that I was... urinated, spray-painted. Yeah. Peed on. The, lit on fire. Peed on is pretty bad. Yeah. Just because they're homeless, people will go out and beat up homeless people. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there's like a, a whole line of thinking that like serial killers practice on drifters or yeah, yeah. On. Sure. Uh, health effects for kids. Um, if you're homeless, you're going to have a higher rate of uh, stomach problems, asthma, ear infections, depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, anxiousness. Uh, PTSD is uh, pretty prevalent. Yeah. It, it's a cause of and is caused by homelessness and not just um, adults, but kids as well. Right. Like you can actually start to develop PTSD because you don't know where you're going to sleep the next night. Or, wow. I mean, think about it, Chuck. Like, have you ever been without a home? Uh, no. Like, I, I would think it can be really weird to not know where you're going to stay or to not just, you know, have a hard day at work or a hard day at school and to go yeah. to know that at the end of this day, you have no idea where you're going to sleep. Maybe you're going to sleep in your car. Maybe you're going to sleep in the woods. But yeah. you don't get to just rest. 
You don't get to just take a shower and pop right. a beer and watch, you know, TV or whatever it takes to unwind. Mm-hmm. So your your stress level is heightened constantly without any oh, yeah. resolution to it. And, of course, you're going to suffer PTSD or at least stomach aches, something bad. Right. Uh, adults, too. It's not just kids. They uh, can get frostbite, uh, leg ulcers, respiratory infections, <laughs> HIV and AIDS and diabetes. Yeah, apparently that's way more common in the homeless population. So lots of health effects going on, Josh. I agree, Chuck. So, Chuck, uh, we talked about um, Reagan as both creator and alleviator of homelessness. Mm -hmm. Um, You you talked about some of the programs that the McKinney-Vento Act created. Um, Some of the other programs that have been developed in the United States are um, like Section 8 housing. Yeah. Right? Do you know about this? Oh yeah, that's uh, well. There's there's homeless shelters which are like the emergency beds when it's cold, that kind of thing, where you can go temporarily. Right, and a, a lot of those are. I would say most. I don't have any numbers on this, but I would say most of those are privately operated. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and then there is the Section Eight thing that you were talking about, which is not public housing. It's when you fill out a Section 8 voucher, and you can go find just a regular private apartment to rent mm-hmm. from a landlord. It's got to fit certain requirements. Mm-hmm. And if you meet all those requirements, you only have to pay 30% of the rent and bills. And then the, the government pays the other 70 Straight to the landlord. So that's Section 8. But Section 8, you know, there are huge waiting lists. And I read that a lot of cities have shut it down until the list gets smaller. And they're like, there's no point in keeping a list of four years, five years. We're mm-hmm. just going to shut it down, get the list smaller, and then open it back up in a couple of years. Yeah. So good luck getting Section 8 if that's what you're trying to do. And uh, you talked about did – you, did you mention public housing? Uh, no. So, um, well, you talked about shelters. Apparently there were 500,000 beds in 2005. There's now 643,000 or there, where there was in 2009. And about 3 million to 3.5 million homeless people. Yeah, but that's a pretty significant increase in five years. Yeah, that's true. Um, but but with public housing, if if uh, Section Eight is not an option, there is public housing, or there used to be at least in te- at Techwood, right? Um, which is basically like an apartment block where you go and live and you pay what you can, mm-hmm. um, and as long as you follow the rules, I just made air quotes. Yeah, um, you can stay there as long as you like. Right. Ideally. Right. Again, there's not that many public housing units or not as many as there used to be. Uh, we need to talk about food banks because mm-hmm. that's a big part of uh, being homeless is getting your meal. And, you know, the United States, it's not like uh, starvation in other countries where there is no food. There's lots of food here. Lots of food is thrown away. So since the do 1960s, you know, do you, you know that there's an estimate that up to half of the food we produce is thrown away. Really? Half in the U.S. And the low estimate is a quarter. Wow. Yeah. I tell you what, never go get a job in the film industry if you want to, if food waste depresses you. Oh, the uh, craft services? Oh, and just catering the whole thing, you know. It's ridiculous. Um, but food banks uh, have been around since about the 60s, and that uh, everyone knows. You can donate canned goods and non-perishable items, and they will distribute them to... Uh, Homeless uh, shelters and, and homeless people directly sometimes. Yeah. So that's a big deal. You ever volunteered anything like that? Yeah, I've done the, the Thanksgiving thing before. Uh, 
This makes me want to do more than that, though, you know? Yeah. That, that feels like going to church on Easter. You know what we should do? We should build, like, a, a an addition onto your house that we can house homeless people in. We can go My pick squatting them up land. The there you go. Chuck Squ- uh, Squatville. We can put up a lean-to or something. <laughs> Chuck Squatville. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, job training, though. I mean, we, we talk about things like public housing and the projects, and that's right. all well and good to give people a place to be. But at the same time, you don't – and this is where the Republicans can go, yeah, say it. At the same time, you don't want to support a nation of people on the government's dime without offering some kind of job training – and something to say, hey, let us help you get on your feet. Let us help you get a job in data entry or on the manufacturing line or whatever. So luckily there are uh, groups like the Coalition for the Homeless, mm-hmm. uh, First Step, that re- that you know provide this kind of job, job training. And the veterans are doing uh, the same thing with the Homeless Veterans Reintegration Program. Right. And I should say there isn't a homeless alleviation program in existence in the U.S. that's geared toward simply taking care of people. Oh, really? um, all of them are geared toward ending homelessness in the individual right. and collectively oh. through things like job training, right. through things like um, uh, helping to write resumes. Yeah, rehab. Rehab's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health treatment, um, getting people cheap drugs, like getting them to a point where they're not homeless anymore, like it's addressing the factors of homelessness, not you don't feel like work, and so here's some money right. that doesn't exist. Right, and right. I suspect that there's not really a desire to just have somebody give you some money and not do anything ever and just be poor in anybody. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, that's, my, that's my opinion. We disagree. That's awesome. Well, I don't know if I disagree or not. I don't have enough time to think about that right now. All right. <laughs> Uh, what can you do though? Well, you can, uh, we can build lean twos on your squatting land. You can volunteer, like you said. Right. Give your time. Yeah. If you don't have the dough, you yeah. can give a little time. Uh, if you do have the dough, and it's not necessarily just dough, uh, you can donate old toys and books and toiletries and clothes. That old computer that's gathering dust that you could get $75 for on Craigslist. You should donate that instead. Write it off in your taxes. Yeah. And oh. maybe homeless people can get trained how to use that computer. Yeah. Or you could donate your car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, be an advocate. Try to ra- uh, raise awareness. Letter campaigns. All sorts of things you can do there. You can hire homeless people. Yes. They they do have skills, as we've seen. Yeah. A lot of people who um, are recently... Unem- recently homeless may also just be recently unemployed as well. Yeah, and have job skills. Yeah, uh, and then the last one on the list in the article, which I thought was bring it home, Chuck. Great respect, huge. Uh, when you see that homeless person on the street, don't let the first thought to be in your head, "Hey, jerk, how did you mess up to get here?" Maybe you should think, "Hey, did you develop schizophrenia in your 30s and lose your job because of that, mm-hmm. and get split up from your child because you couldn't care for your child, even though you, you know, you want to?" Because it, it happened to Will Smith. I was hoping we could make it through this without bringing up that stupid movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you know they make a movie about it. It was such a big deal. Everyone knows that the, that guy was homeless with his son. And, and now, now he's, he's rich. He's worth $65 million bucks. Yeah. Actually, you know what story I like better <laughs> is the one in this article. 
the yes. uh, that was a guy. What was his name? David. Yeah, he's he's quoted David Pirtle. Yeah, he he's was quoted in that respect part. He yeah, he was a uh, just a regular dude had mm-hmm. a job uh, as a restaurant manager, mm-hmm. college graduate, and for fifteen years as a restaurant manager and developed schizophrenia. Yep, got fired, ended up hitchhiking and homeless for two years on the streets of D.C. And uh, now I think he's a, a heading up a homeless group in D.C. now, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's an executive at it. Yeah. But he's quoted in this article in the respect, like, what can you do? He says, um, most of the despair in being homeless comes from being treated like you don't exist. Right. And there's something we should point out, Chuck. Throughout this, it's however many minutes into this podcast. Uh-huh. Um, we've just now used the first homeless person's name, first and last name of the whole podcast. Yeah. There's a whole conception of invisibility. Yeah. The nameless. They are. They're not the nameless. You can completely interchange that with the homeless. Yeah. That's just as faceless, just as nameless, just as genderless, just as identityless. And, um, I just want to close and get everybody to over to On Design. There's this awesome blog post by a guy named John Thakara, T-H-A-C-K-A-R-A, called Look or Connect. And he's talking about, he's using photography to demonstrate um, how we treat the homeless and how we should treat the homeless. Uh And there's a photography book called Shelter. And this guy roamed around Europe and took photos of homeless like impromptu makeshift shelters, like right. blankets hanging over a limb in in a uh, in the woods or right. someplace under an overpass. But in every single picture, it's just the shelter. Not one homeless person appears in this whole book. Interesting. And the care is pointing out, like this is kind of emblematic of how we view the homeless. Right. And then he was also kind of crediting a, a girl named Erica Schultz, mm-hmm. who's a photographer out of Seattle. And she has a uh, series called Invisible Families. And she'll, she photographs the homeless, but then the caption, she includes captions beneath the, the um, photograph. Right. And it's of that person. So there's one of a little kid walking through a homeless camp, and he's, he's got like this bamboo stick up. Right? Yeah, you yeah. see him? Uh-huh. And the caption is, um, here, Jack Ahern, age nine, marches with a bamboo stick while staying at a city located in Skyway. Sometimes Jack would enlist fellow Nickelodeons, that's in quotes, to help him look for worms. On other days, he'd play on a pogo stick, in mud puddles, or with the resident cat kitten that had six digits on one paw. The bamboo stick was a gift. Wow. So, like... That's a person now, not right. a homeless kid. Right. That's Jack Ahern, age nine. Well, and the, and the the gentleman from D.C. suggests that if you have a regular walk to work in a city or something where you see the same homeless person on a daily basis, then ask them what their name is one day. Call them by their name. Look them in the eye. If You don't have to give them money if you don't want to. Little things like that can make a big difference in a person's self-esteem and maybe allows them to view themselves as human again and uh, you can give them if you're worried about giving them money that they spend on alcohol or something give them get a get a little food gift voucher you know something like that so there it is everybody our fifth summation of the podcast fifth and final yes if you want to learn more about homelessness um, you can type that word into the search bar at how stuff works the blank generic genderless identityless search bar very nice 
And since I said that, it's time for, is it Listener Mailman? Yeah, and in the spirit of this uh, podcast, we're going to do a big old Kiva Roundup. Uh, You want to explain what Kiva is real quick? Kiva is a website where schmoes like you and me can go and donate, well, I shouldn't say donate, lend increments of $25 to entrepreneurs in developing countries and people on their way up here in the United States even. Mm -hmm. Uh, These loans are pulled together. Uh, to create a larger loan, which ultimately repay a loan that's already been made to the person. Uh, and then that person uses it for their business, repays the loan. You actually get your 25 bucks back. That's right, if you want. And you can reinvest it. And uh, basically, it's micro-lending. Yes. And we have our own loan uh, team, which we are proud to say is the number four team and members on all of Kiva now. I know, that's really something. Behind Atheists, mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. Christians are number two. They're like so angry and right behind the Atheists. <laughs> and uh, Team Obama is number three. And little old us are right there but in front of Australia. So let's go over that list again. <laughs> go over it, Chuck, from one to four. Atheist of America, Christian uh, Coalition. Team Obama, stuff you should know, Australia. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> Pretty cool. And we have, as of today, we've loaned, uh, as a collective, 3,406 members have loaned 10,813 loans to the tune of 313825 bucks. So That is not bad. Is this going to be up for Christmas? I, I don't know. Jerry? Yes? We would suggest you can get a Kiva gift certificate and mm-hmm. give it to your loved one at Christmas. It's a nice little cool thing to do, and it, like a stocking stuffer. Right. And they go and lend it, but ultimately, if they want, they're just postponing getting that 25 or 50 cash. or 75 bucks cash yeah. um, for a month or two. And with that, it, Josh, it's repaid. Yeah, it's repaid. It's not a donation. No. And with that, uh, here comes the listener mail, because this one really got me. Uh, hi, uh, Two of them really quick. Um, hi, guys. My name is Kara. And I am another one of your 13-year-old fans. Just want to say hi and how much I love your show. Uh, some friends and I make and sell jewelry and donate the profits to Kiva. That is awesome. Uh, I know you guys have your own Kiva team, and I love that you use your power to do good. Uh, since most people haven't heard of Kiva, please mention this on your show. It would be so great to get some business uh, that we can reloan. Uh, you can see some of our jewelry and loans at www.tinyurl.com. Project Raw. Okay. And I went today and they have these little earrings and little necklaces and uh, rings and things that these 13 year old girls ma- uh, make by hand and they've loaned 375 bucks so far. Awesome. And uh, that is Kara in Kings- uh, Kensington, Maryland. And that is so cool. I can't even talk about it when 13 year olds are doing stuff like this and CEOs are getting rich and thumbing their nose at the rest of the world. So, karma's going to bite you one day, sir. <laughs> and this one, uh, we usually don't plug other Kiva teams, but we're going to, because this is from our our, our buddy, uh, Sergeant, newly promoted Staff Sergeant Walker. In oh, all right. Uh, Mr. Bryant, with your inspiration, I've started my own Kiva team uh, for the armed forces. With the whole armed forces? Yeah, he started an army team. Okay. So well, it's different. If you're, well, he says armed forces Kiva team, but... It says Army in the, in the URL. Okay. So if you're in the Marine Corps, do not give. <laughs> right. uh, it is org slash team slash U.S. underscore Army underscore Kiva underscore team. 
And uh, he says, wondering if you could just give a little shout-out to all the Armed Forces personnel listening to your show. And can they donate to our Army team? And so I'm going to encourage you to donate for the Army team. Everyone else, donate for the Stuff You Should Know team. And support uh, Project Raw. I can't believe you did this without checking with me first. You don't want to support NMD. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> anyway, good holiday mojo coming your way if you get involved with stuff like this. Well, congratulations on the promotion, Staff Sergeant Walker, Kara. Congratulations on being a very, very cool 13-year-old. Actually, a very, very cool person in general. That's right. Uh, since it's around Christmas time and uh, I'm about to weep, why don't we uh, just bring it on home, drive it through my heart with the sweetest Christmas story you've ever heard in your entire life that's fact-based. Have you got one? No. Oh. I'm just saying. I You're want asking to for them. I'm on the verge of tears. I want to just go ahead and, and have my uh, This one has been uh, out first. I got a little weepy a couple of times, too. Did you really? No. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> if you have a good story for us, a good holiday story, we want to hear it, send it in an email. You can wrap it up, tie the ribbon on tight, make sure the card is attached, and send it to Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.